You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 276 of each of East Central Indiana's favorite podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here. I'm joined by a returning guest. Uh, I think he's in a co-host chair today. Forrest Plank is going to be with us. Hi, guys. Uh, Zach Burcham, our executive video audio producer engineer. He's the one that makes everything sound okay. Uh, and uh, Brian Nichols from the Brian Nichols Show. Uh, I think we're simulcast on the Brian Nichols show. Welcome, Brian. Yeah, welcome to the Brian Nichols show. Jeremiah. I'm so I'm so happy to be a guest on your show. I know it's nice to have you on my show. Wait, I feel weird. You, you, you won't record. I feel so otherwise. distant from your studio. It's right there. I you no, know you it, want to open the door. If we both tried to sit at your desk, it would be very <laughs> it'd be very awkward too. <laughs> just sit each other's lap. That just gets all sorts of weird really fast. It would like good like a like a puppet game. Yeah, and, and the best part is that's in the fishbowl mirror uh, windows there, so anybody yes. going by could watch and. Take part in the enjoyment. Um, today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, the pending Indiana election. It's going to be Brian's first election in Indiana. It's going to be the first uh, first election that Mr. Plank's not been on the ballot in a little while. So we get to. Yes. He gets to have the uh, the filter come off and be a pundit. This is our pundit episode reviewing what we've done over the last uh, last few months in the uh, candidate series. Uh, I do want to say a special thanks to the people that have supported Boss Hog in the candidate series since its inception. Uh, Wyland's Flowers, the Slick Pickle, and Big Bounce Inflatables. Uh, this show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you'll always learn something new. Uh, the theme of Patreon, which you just did, was teaching Indiana to Brian. Uh, as, as, as the theme of probably the entire evening. Uh, but we're going to have Brian share with us what his what his opinions are and what he's learned. And he's got the fresh set of eyes. He's got this political experience, but he's a he's a brand new Hoosier voter. So I know he's been listening and texting me back the next day, asking questions about all of these episodes. And I said, this is there's something here. This is going to be a, this is going to be a fun ride. And uh, and Forrest is one of the most thoughtful people that I that I that I know in the community. <laughs> Listen, Brian and I are in sales. You're going to accept the premise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you familiar with improv? Yeah. All right. So it's yes. And so we just go, yes, yes. And, and? yes. And, 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 and great. Yep. And then, and we're just building up Forrest and his, uh, he, he's the, uh, listen, he's the best pundit that we could afford tonight. I can guarantee <laughs> that. <laughs> and gonna... You went really far to the bottom of that barrel. Listen, if you do, if you do well tonight, I've got a, uh, I've got a tax man, uh, Belgian inspired to, uh, to give to you. Uh, there's, there's two or three more cool ones in there. So you, you will be well compensated hey. for your efforts. 
Oh boy. What else? Oh, we got to thank some patrons, Zach. Is that, uh, is that what we normally do? Sure. I wasn't sure. Is my <laughs> mic even on? I was like, if I miss something, I zone out for a minute. But yeah. Thanks to Patreon people. They're the ones that keep the lights on, the heat on, the air conditioning on, whatever you're going to use today. Cause it's the Midwest. And so like it's AC right now. Yeah. It feels like yeah. air. It feels like air conditioning. It was hot today. It was like 72 in Indiana. Um, Weird. You get, if you're, if you're a Patreon member, you get to see the, the, uh, or you get to watch and listen to the, uh, the Patreon only, uh, little tidbit we did before this. And if you're at $50 a month, you get your name mentioned. We haven't done this already. So I'm assuming Christy Avery, who's, uh, kind of the, the, the uh, wall house mom from Fort Wayne. She keeps an eye on everybody and keeps people like, uh, oh, I just forgot his name. Man, never mind. She keeps people in line. You got Jonathan wait, Phillips. Wait, it's fun. It's fun. Let him describe it, and yeah. we're going to try to guess. He's the guy I just found a Jeremiah Morrill shirt in his dresser. Chase Payton. Chase Payton in line, because she likes to make fun of him because he's a Bears fan. Uh, Jonathan Phillips, who's uh, been trying to sell Jeremiah a truck, and despite General Motors' efforts to not, not accept such thing. And then Anthony Meyer, who him and his dog are just all over the country, blowing up differentials, but keeping things moving uh, so that we can have stuff in the stores to buy with the money, even if it's costing us a lot of money to buy the same stuff we used to buy. So we got to thank those people because they're really keeping us nice and comfortable. And then we got the Candace series sponsors, Wyland flowers, the slick pickle and big bounce inflatables who got us through the Candace series. It was fun. It was interesting. There's at least one of those episodes that we're going to hear about for the rest of our lives. And we thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. That was, obviously- that was an eye opening episode. <laughs> that to, was to Newcastle politics. That was Did it have to do with law enforcement. That was obviously the earth shattering County uh, commissioner's race, uh, where, where Joe and Steve just went at it over potholes <laughs> and, uh, kept us all thoroughly entertained. I, I, if anybody missed it or they feel foggy on any of the elections that we were able to cover, please, please go back and feel free to watch those videos again and tell your friends because some of them might take the signs down their yard if they want some of those videos. But, uh, but yeah, thanks to all those folks and thanks to Wyland's Flowers, a slick pickle and big bounce inflatables for, uh, for sponsoring the Candace series and every, each and every year that we have it. So we've talked the county council races, the county commissioner race, uh, sheriff. We had last week, we had the Democrat candidate, Nan Polk for state representative. Uh, we had the other guy. The, <laughs> we had, uh, <laughs> about the names i'm so sorry dr ron we we had dr ron uh for state senate. yeah yeah him that's right okay yeah the the problem is, is that nobody can pronounce his name correctly that's yeah, dr it, ron but it but it but it it has some it's it uh it because i think it's it, uh, it's close to pontiac spitfire Okay, yeah, because that's not how I thought it was pronounced before the episode. So it's Dr. It. Pontiac. I, I had to listen to Dr. Pontiac. I couldn't make it last week. I was in quarantine. <laughs> and he says, name was like, that's not how I thought it was pronounced at all. <laughs> oh, goodness. And then we had, uh, we also had uh, some statewide folks, uh, U.S. Senate and uh, Secretary of State candidates that came through as well. So, so Brian, you've, you've watched all of these, you've listened to these. What did what's your takeaway to 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 start this conversation? Um, so I think the context of Indiana politics is fascinating to me because I lived in predominantly blue areas my entire life. So I grew up in northern New York State, which I mean, yes, it's a red area, but blue state. I mean, we had George Pataki, but 
Okay. It was George Pataki. Um, and then, you know, pretty much my entire life, though, it was always Democrat controlled something. Moved to Philadelphia, same exact thing. Democrat controlled everything. When you have a Republican as a governor in New York State, they're it's very not, left liberal right. Republicans. And yeah. when we have a statewide elected Democrat here, it's a very, very, very moderate Joe right. Donnelly style. Which was obvious listening candidate. to like like the, the last episode, uh, gentleman's name we can't pronounce, and then Nan. Um, like hearing them, even though there was a lot I disagreed with. Ron Entire. Him. Um, there was a lot I disagreed with, but I was still like, oh, they're not, they're not as traditionally toxic as a Democrat that I'm used to out on the East Coast. And I think the context, but also like the, the, the context also for me to, to learn more about the Republican Party out here is important because like I. You have aspirations. Right. Well, I mean. For something. I don't know if it's necessarily for something or to help for involvement it, like, of some yeah, sort, like, not necessarily put your name on the ballot. Yeah. But to, Which I mean, to I mean be in the Hey, process. that might be an option down the road one day too. I wouldn't necessarily say no to that in the future, but like, I obviously want to get to know the area first and get to know folks, but like from a strategy, there's nothing standpoint, better than putting your name on the ballot to get to know the area and the folks. <laughs> You're not got a lot of doors that way too. Uh, I'm sure get chased on a lot of front steps. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think uh, one thing that I really did appreciate though, was hearing the reframing of how politics is kind of approached here. And I heard it brought up a lot and I'm sorry to bring it back to the episode, but like the good old boys kind of approach, right? That is something that was so true for me in New York, but on the opposite side, I think of, you know, hearing Sheldon silver back in the day, he was the speaker of the, uh, the assembly for New York state there for like, I think 30 or 40 years. And now he's sitting in a jail cell because he was corrupt as the day is long. And he was part of that traditional old good old boys club. And I mean, same school of camp, like the, the Cuomo's are from. So you see that mentality in the, the democratic party in New York, because it has really become an established, like mafia, like kind of mentality. And you just get that naturally when power consolidates. So I think that's also speaking to why the Libertarian Party has been finding such success out here versus some of the other states that I've gone and spoken to because if there is a desire for an alternative, specifically, I think, on that right side of the aisle. And I guess, you know, it's just for the longest time, it's always been the red team and the blue team. And now the gold team's kind of come to the the table, which is pretty cool to see. Um, And frankly, that's what I try to do at my show is to help sell that team and get them better, but also to sell the Liberty folk into the Republican party. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's just, it's an interesting context to see where we're at here in, in Newcastle versus where the political parties have been, where I've been from. So yeah, it's, it's been fun though. Like to be in this environment though, versus out East, I'll take this 10 out of 10. My takeaway with the state legislative candidates, it's a, even if you may politically agree very, very much with the Republican candidates, I think state government has gotten so overloaded with, with that red team yep. that ideas don't live anymore. Mm. You've got such consolidated power now because there's a supermajority in the Senate and where it's like 80, 20, like it, you know, your minority party has maybe 20% of the, of the headcount in the Indiana state Senate and maybe 30% of the, uh, the state representatives that they don't have to show up. So whatever goes in the Republican caucus, therefore whatever the governor's office wants or the speaker wants is the bill that's going to come through. So 
that's where I'm struggling. As I, and there is no, you know, there is no mm-hmm. libertarian candidate here. As you're looking at your options on the ballot going into this year, Henry County has. We only highlighted one of the three races, the state representative candidates. We got redistricted, and Henry County's got three different state reps that are going to represent us based upon what township you're in. But the vast majority was that District 54 that Nan Polk and Corey Criswell are in. You've got it cut up so strongly in favor of the Republicans that I I almost feel like it's going to suppress ideas and conversation and anybody that actually holds that seat being able to represent the people. Does that make sense to you, Forrest? Oh, absolutely. And as you saw that race developing back in the spring for the Republican primary, you know, Tom Saunders was in that seat for a long time and was well-liked by a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. So here the seat opens up and you see female after female after female throw their name in. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes Corey Criswell. And and looking at it from the outside, it's almost like, where did this guy come from? Who bought his seat in this race? And it's nothing against Corey. I'm sure he was approached by someone and he has ideas and wants to pursue that. But out of nowhere comes this guy and boom, he's the only guy in the race. Well, there were two. Uh, it, it, he got most of the funding. Oh yeah, yep, yep. But uh, we had the, the Gilmore as well. Yeah, he was a also in the. <laughs> Zach, your mic's on. Yeah, I know. You're still awake. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> I camp at state parks. <laughs> but so that's. I guess my contention is is even. I I feel like. We're going to have to create some diversity in the state house, whether it's in, in these races or other places, or you're just going to have a bunch of yes people in Indianapolis. Henry County's interests are not going, going to, or we already do. Well, you had, and have Tom had. Saunders, when Tom Saunders was serving, he was very much willing to be the stick in the mud to, and he was in the penalty box significantly. Sure. With, with the governor and with the speakers. He office. did it a long time. I I'm just looking at it going, man, at some point you're going to have to elect some Democrats or else it government's not going to function appropriately because there is nobody else to serve as a check. And the same thing happens in the county courthouse as well. If you look at Henry County government, there is not a single person that doesn't have an R next to their name elected in Henry County government. Yeah. And most races don't even have a contested seat with the D next to it. Uh, well, I will say the Henry County Democrats have had a much stronger year. Yes, right? the last two years they've made a lot of noise. You have, thankfully, you have four county council races that are up. Fifty percent of those are challenged, and we had all of those candidates on uh, county commissioner. The one county commissioner race, you, you've got an R and a D uh, in Steve Holmes and in Joe Wiley, and then uh, obviously the sheriff's race uh, with uh, John Sproles and Landon Dean. So you do have, and then I think we also have. It's very much a micro micro situation, but Henry Township is the largest township in in the county, uh, and you have a township trustee race and township board that are all contested as well with multiple multiple names there. We did not cover that one as much as I like to cover micro politics. I thought the Henry Township board race was just a bridge too far for even the boss hog audience. No school board races <sighs> covered. Well, you weren't on the ballot. I know so. What does that say about me? I run two years. <laughs> I lose two years and I'm on the podcast. Yeah. I don't run and you don't have anybody on the podcast. Yeah, but we brought you back. But I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my outcome to the election is going to be the exact same. Yeah. You're not going to have to do the job. That's right. You get to move on. 
Brian, have you've seen a lot of national politics in this this theme that I'm seeing in Indiana? Do you think this happens in Pennsylvania where you've got or in New York, other places you've been and you've been exposed to where one party rules so much that you don't the other people just don't have to show up and you don't have a, a healthy process? Yeah, uh, really saw a lot in New York. New York was a very toxic political environment. Um, and, and it really, it hasn't gotten too much better. It's, it, it might get better if the Republicans actually do well in New York state this, uh, this election here in, in next week. But it, I hear the point, um, for sure. But I guess at the end of the day, too, I guess, why are they Republican? And I guess that's my question. Like, if you're a Republican, I would hope that there are certain things you would stand for. So, but, and this is a question, I guess, to your your question is like, is the primary process broken? Because it, well, it seems like Indiana should be a state ripe for a liberty type movement. You know, the the most high profile race statewide is actually not one that was determined in a primary. Diego Morales is the Republican mm-hmm. candidate for Secretary of State, and that was chosen by the delegates that were elected in the primary. Uh, so the GOP chose. Diego Morales in a three-way, very oddly contested race in a lot of blowback against the governor. Uh, and the Democrats chose Destiny Wells at their primary and or at their uh, at their convention. And Jeff um, Moore was selected by the Libertarians uh, at, at the <clears throat> convention. So I I don't know. I a primary can be wildly. I, I think the House District 54, which is the most diverse primary we've seen in our area in at least a decade you had just an you had trouble for anybody to find their own lane how many to, to people actually ran for that there were eight candidates that's nuts eight candidates and what were they running on like what were the top issues republicanism it was right. it was the hot button at the time guns guns abortion yep abortion religious freedom that was it in the spring so now fast forward to the fall and you have inflation uh, what was the, the last flyer that I saw? But nothing that I saw in the spring on a flyer mm, that over. showed up in the fall. Interesting. Because it's not the hot button anymore. Well, you're trying to whip up a different base, right? <laughs> you, you you have to just be a generic good Republican. Yeah, they were trying to out-Republican each other for the primary, and then now you're trying to grab, trying to potentially steal votes from somebody who might be like more moderate. So yeah, they The other thing that happened is that it's a we're the first this is the first race after a redistricting as well so you have brand new territory brand new communities that aren't necessarily in step with each other so you had voices from different pockets you had some shelby county candidates you had some rush county candidates you had henry county candidates and they kind of pulled people from their area so that's i think that's just how you got to where you are and and how mr you know cory criswell ran a phenomenal primary he picked a plan and he he dominated it he had a ton of backers yep and a lot of local backers where a lot of his contestants in the primary a lot of their money came from out of state so he had the local support yep so here's the question i have for for you forrest and for you zach and for you brian do any of these races that we've covered excite you do they intrigue you to where you say hey i've heard some stuff or heard from candidates that make me want to go out and you know, have you been inspired? I guess <laughs> by any by anything in this process, I've been inspired to get involved. If that answers your question, because I hear areas that we can maybe bring new ideas to the table that just haven't been approached before, and it, I think partly because it kind of goes into 
when you get into any specific area, whether it's New York, Philadelphia, Indiana, you get surrounded by people saying like similar ideas and bouncing the same ideas off each other. But like having different context from different areas, I think actually does bring a lot of value to the table. So that plus, you know, what I do for my show as well, I you know, have literally, I've had 600 plus shows now and folks from all over the United States, all over the world for that matter. And hearing specifically the things that work, not just in business or in, you know, politics in their areas, but specific policies that we can actually bring to people that maybe we can, we can have success outside of the political process to help solve a lot of the problems we see and to get more community partners involved in the private sector um, to help solve a lot of those issues. So I think partly like the answer to the question, I know it's a little weird because like there wasn't a episode in particular. I was like, Oh yeah, I want to go vote for that person. But more so like I hear areas that things like I hear problems that are being identified or consistent issues that are being identified and things that maybe we could do differently to help make those issues less of an issue that don't need to be solved from, from a political political means. Am I, am I making sense? Yeah. Yep. I, and I, I guess what I'm looking for is excitement. Did any of these races that the sheriff's race, I come back to it and it, just ignoring the ignoring all of mm-hmm. the crazy accusations in the in the theater. That it was definitely entertaining that, that <laughs> happened in that episode. But I think you do have two very different points of view and people mm-hmm. that have their own ideas where with John's roles, you see that he wants to have a very professional sheriff's office and he he's identifying, Hey, there's stuff we've done wrong. And yeah, I, know, we- I will say like in that case, like, yes, John Sproul's that, that one uh, episode I really was listening to, like, I, I guess I empathetic with very much with the business perspective that he brought to the table in that world. So I think, you know, just that kind of a, an approach regardless of who the candidate is that that's needed. We need to have people who are taking things more seriously, but bringing fresh ideas in instead of saying, here's how we should use an old outdated political process to solve an old outdated political process. Yeah. And then my, my takeaway with, with Landon Dean was that he was trying to get some to back to some very basic block and tackle principles of, mm-hmm. Hey, moving people around, creating, creating relationships with communities of saying, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, this deputy is going to go to Cadiz and they're going to know the people of Cadiz. And this deputy is going to kind of be assigned to, you know, you're going to get to know Dublin law enforcement. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're going to know the people of Dublin and if they have a problem, they're going to have somebody to call and, and know that they've got somebody they can trust. And, and I, that, I think that resonated well. I think that ignoring the theater and the, Know, the I, I I contend that if you run a nasty campaign, you you create voter depression, and people aren't going to roll turn out and and participate. But I think those were both issues that that voters actually can get behind. Mm-hmm. At the county level, I think it's going to be the most interesting race to see what absolutely. Happens. So for me, I, I look at, at the District Fifty Four race and the excitement that that Nan Polk brings for me and. and you know, you mentioned I, I've run twice. I, I ran for school boards. So that is something that I'm passionate about. And, and she's a retired educator, and she's passionate about driving our educational system in Indiana forward. And, and that's what she's hinged her race upon, that and child care. And, and, you know, looking at a local level, the economic impact of child care that we have, she realizes that and realizes that we are in a child care desert. And, and if we can improve our child care locally, then that can draw economic development in terms of people being available to work. 
if there's childcare available, we may see companies relocate to the area, which then improves the tax base, which then provides more funding to our broken school system funding formula that we have in the state of Indiana. So that's the one that excites me. Yeah. And then that's that that you get to the fundamental question of okay, yes, you've you've identified we've identified that this is a problem in our community and then it becomes is government the one to fix it or how will how effective are they to do it? Is I, you know, I who's Brian, you're going to be a new dad. You sign your kid up for state run health uh healthcare, daycare or dentistry? <laughs> state run anything uh, i'm gonna try to avoid that <laughs> yeah i that's the that's that's my philosophical problem with it but at the same time as i as i said while i may not politically agree with nan i also know that damn it if we don't have voices like nan's in the state house what Corey criswell thinks isn't going to matter because i'm not convinced that in the first two to four to six years he's going to have any ability to have any voice for our community at the state house. Cause it's going to be whatever the hell the, the established. He's going to be want. drowned by the rest of the red. Yeah. So let me ask this for it. I'm curious what your perspective is. Cause you're kind of maybe I, I'm learning your kind of role in our political world. Did you, are you really big into libertarian world at all or no? So have you, are you I'm Switzerland? Okay, perfect. So like, tell me like, what's your perspective in the libertarian party? I think it, it it is the middle of the road for both parties. That, okay. that the, the last few years, we've seen such polarization, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, that, that you're defined by this extremism, that the libertarians are standing in the middle, waving their hands, saying, hey, guys, look at us, this gold line here in the middle. We're a little bit like you and a little bit like you. Come see what we're all about. You so can speak both languages. If, yes. If there was a libertarian, let's say, running in that state race, would you consider them as a viable option versus the red team or blue team as like saying, hey, if we can get enough people behind this candidate to actually be a different voice in the Capitol, like, would, would that be a viable means, do you think? Absolutely. I, I think that. Unfortunately, I think there are way too many people in our state and our country that identify by that red R or that blue mm -hmm. D. Mm -hmm. And we've, I mean, historically, District 54, this is maybe only the second time in the last 14 years there has not been a libertarian candidate in that race. Um, 10 years ago when it was redistricted as a two-way race, I ran against Tom. Uh, I've worked on Tom's campaign I've been a friend of Tom's. I've run against Tom. I've worked on campaigns that, that Tom, you know, it, uh, opposition to Tom. It's a small town. Uh, and I was at his retirement ceremony, right? And, we, you know, he's a good friend of the show and a good friend of the program. Uh, I got 27% of the vote in, as, a, as essentially a protest candidate. And I put the effort in. I knocked on a hell of a lot of doors and we did the work. Um, we've seen, you know, in a three-way race, it's a 12 to 15% number. You know, you've had some very strong yellow cards pulled. Uh, but it's, you know, and, and we're going to get into it later. Straight ticket voting in Indiana is a big is a yeah, big part man. of the issue as well. I want to learn about that. Um, all right. So let's let's talk about how you vote, what happens. So there are some unique items in Indiana voting, Brian. Uh, it's your first time. Have you voted yet? No, are you gonna go no on, I'm you're, going to go. I'm going on, on election day. day, going to the art, the art center. Yep. There's so you can go, there's 12 different locations. That's oh, boy. one of the places you can go. You oh. can go. You can in Henry County. We have we have gone to a vote center model. Okay. So the ballot is available for you at any of the polling places. So anywhere that they that they're taking ballots, you can go. So you could go to Ivy Tech. You can go to the Art Center. You can go to the American Legion. There's a, any number of them. A couple of churches in town, and then further out in the county. Uh, so 12 locations. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Tuesday, yep. mm -hmm. uh, Eastern time. 
So you can get 12 hour window. Don't show up at 601 or you're shed all luck. You're done. Um, but they've also had early voting. So 30 days in advance of the election, they say no more registered voters. We've capped our pool and you could go, you could go to the judicial center and you could cast a ballot or now they've got the, I think the Ivy tech vote center is actually open a, a little bit during yeah, the day. started on the weekends. weekends. Um, so people can cast their ballot, their vote then, which is, I, I suppose a good thing, but it, it's almost a strategy deal to me. And I, I wanted to hear from you guys as well, what you think. I always like to keep my vote until Tuesday because I don't know if, if something happens this weekend and I've already cast my vote, we're done. Yep. Like it's, I can't take that back. I can't roll it back. If new information comes out, if, if a candidate gets arrested for drunk driving or it's a, I think Abdul says the, uh, I got to say this right. or It's going to be offensive. Uh, getting, getting caught with a live boy or a dead girl, I believe is the, is that the old line, Zach? I'm not sure. I haven't heard that. I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to I mean, offend I, anybody. I'm not going to touch it. I mean, it does, <laughs> it does kind of feel like they're trying to get your early vote the same way. Like if you walked into a, a car dealership and the sales guy runs up, throws his arm around you and directs you to, this car. He doesn't want to see you see any of the other cars. Don't look anywhere else. Just look right here where I'm telling you to look and do what I'm asking you to do. And then we'll get out of here and you'll be happy and I'll be happy because you're ignorant. You didn't know what house was going on behind you. And like in the one case, some of the races with stuff going wrong for candidates, there is stuff going wrong. Like there, there are controversies that are being investigated and kind of brought to light in the 11th hour. But, if you but already- how much is really going to change though, between me voting, say this Saturday and something. I mean, if you're in PA, Tuesday, John Fetterman could have another stroke, <laughs> but the, the, the same thing faster. is true that if you something voted, could come out on Wednesday and you're stuck with your vote, if yeah, but you've got, you've got till the last minute to make your decision. The Indianapolis star published a piece today that said, Hey, Diego Morales voted in 2018 in uh, Hendricks County. Because he was running for Congress in Hendricks County, but he only had a borrowed condo in Hendricks County where he voted from, but he was actually still living and sleeping at his house he still owned and was claiming his property tax deduction. His home, home his homestead in Marion County, he never left it. And there's this, there's these people that are saying, yeah, he had timers set up to make it look like he was living there and he was very concerned. People, All of this is in the Indy Star today. I find it hard to believe there's more corruption around and, his and, campaign. and the guy's number one issue is election security and voter integrity, right? That's that's what he's running on. He's supposed to run elections in the state of Indiana. Charlie White, 12 years ago, was elected to the office. He went to jail and got removed from the office because he voted somewhere he said he didn't live and collected a check as an elected official somewhere he didn't live. So we're going down this path again. So that's new information, yep. right? If you had if you had voted last Saturday and then you get the Cindy Star piece that came out on Friday and if it changes your opinion, now it's spent. It's done. So that's why I'm asking, hey, well, I think, Zach, you're right. Politicians want you to get out, cast that ballot. They only care that, hey, you vote in my race for my thing. I'm running yeah. for county commissioner. Come vote for me. I'm Jim. Vote for it. And then you're done. Yeah, I, I'm, I have a little different view from the politician side that being the small fry guy that I want all the voting to happen on Election Day. I want you to vote in the district in which you live. So that way I. I know where I can go and I know who I can talk to and where I can get the most bang for my buck. And that, that's the other thing is that since we got, have gone to this vote center model, I had data. I would go, you know, I, from 
14 years ago, my mom ran for county council in, in Rush County. At that time, we didn't have vote centers. So I could go to a polling place and I could talk to every voter that came through and have a conversation and say, hey, vote for Joyce Morrill. This is why you looked at that polling place versus places we didn't have polling workers. And it was a it were a third party candidate. It was a 10 to 15 percent bump yep. for that candidate because you got there and talked to them. When you go to a vote center, it doesn't happen. Yeah, you can't do that. If you're running a low budget campaign, you throw some high school kids out there and they're just sitting out there wearing a t-shirt, holding a sign, getting a free lunch. Yep. Yep. And you're the 37th person down ballot and people may not have researched that. That's, that's the difficult part is this is an off, off center election where you don't have a governor. You don't have a president in Indiana. So you've got a Senate seat. That's not entirely super competitive. It's not expected to be Todd Young's probably going to win reelection as much as James Seniak and, and, uh, the Hammond mayor have been, uh, Tom McDermott have been working at it. Todd Young is probably going to win cruise yep. to reelection. So that race is not the most interesting race. It isn't really turning folks out. So this is a midterm, not nearly the high profile race that others are. So your turnout is probably going to be a little bit lower. Um, all right. So that's that part. Forrest, do you want to explain to Brian what, it, what it's like to vote in Indiana, what your ballot looks like? Can you walk? Can you walk oh a guy through gosh. this? Have you? Do you have this memorized? Do you want to vote straight ticket? No. Do you want to vote straight ticket? Absolutely are not. You sure? Are you sure you don't you, want to vote straight I'm ticket? Pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't. Brian needs to come back at least for like five minutes next week to tell us his opinion <laughs> on our 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 OG iPads that we vote on. It's the very first question on the ballot. And but the hand slapping, the digital smack across the face. Hey, you didn't vote straight ticket. Like it you forgot. You forgot. You left something empty. Like when there's the red X that comes up and says, You've made a mistake. Yes, you you have <laughs> made yeah, it is. No it, shit. Yes, it wow. is. It's huh. it's frustrating to see how straight ticket oriented our voting software is like whoever did that i don't know if that was their intent but it sure comes off as because really we want you to vote straight what happens is it's treated like every other race so on our ballot software the first question you're going to get is pick a party republican (laughs) democrat libertarian or you can skip it so if you skip it it's going to give you an error just like if on the next page when you get to u.s senate and you say i want to skip it it's going to say whoa whoa whoa, whoa, you did not make a selection mr nichols Go back and pick your candidate if you wanted to vote in that. So it, it does move the number. Now, if you go ahead and select somebody and you say, you know what, today I feel like I'm on Team Donkey, so I'm going to choose that choose that chicken. I think the, the rooster was uh, – the Democrat rooster, which I didn't know was a real thing, but it's their, uh, their ballot item. It was invented in uh, Greenfield. I know that because if you drive down 40 in Greenfield, there's a big old sign that says this is where we in- invented the Democrat cock. And it was right – that's the <laughs> – Bill Clinton's favorite. <laughs> it's – it, I like that it, chicken. It's right there by Riley Park's favorite uh, and Riley Park t- <laughs> no. uh, Riley Park tire. I'm not making this up, folks. So uh, you, you choose that little Democrat chicken, and and then you could go to the next page and you can say, actually, I, I, I as much as I would on the Senate thing, I wanted to vote for Tom. Mc, or I don't want to vote for Tom McDermott. I'm going to change it, and I say Todd Young's the guy. So then that's what they call scratch voting, and then you can amend it by hand on down the ballot. But what happens is that they get to, I don't know, what's about the fifth race down on your ballot over there? You get a sample ballot, uh, Mr. Forrest. Uh, let me see. Fifth race down. 
U.S. Representative District 6. Yeah, so by the time we said, hey, are we voting for uh, Cindy Worth or Greg Pence, you're like, <sighs> I'm done. By the Screw way, he, I can't, are we sure that that's Greg Pence? Because he looks just like Mike, Mike Pence. I'm not convinced that they're not the same person. Well, I've talked to Greg Pence zero times, and I've talked to Mike Pence many times. When Mike Pence was our congressman, he was the easiest guy to get to see, get to know, firsthand basis, no problem at all. He knew my face. All you have to do I've is go never, to the Brock cookout, and Greg Pence is going to make an appearance. I've never met Greg Pence in my life. I've never seen him move. I've seen pictures of him. Although I did see, so hilarity. His voice is on ad this time. He's ready to serve again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's on the billboards. He he posts, he, our congressman, I, I believe this is maybe going to be his last term. I, I've heard rumors that this is it. He'll get his pension after this, and he's going to move on. But if he's reelected this time, that will be his uh, sixth or eight-year eight term, and he'll be done. Eight, six or eight years he'll serve. He, he normally shows up at, like, some luncheon at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's some super secret mailing list that gets... 50 to 70 year old retired folks to show up and come eat somewhere. And he was at a place that was selling pork tenderloins. It was a bar and, and it had the spooky sign up that said, keep out <laughs> behind him. That was the only campaign signage was the big thing. And maybe it was for Halloween. Maybe it was border patrol. I don't know, but it said just this sign that said, keep out Greg Pence for Congress. I, I thought it was hilarious. Brian doesn't seem to care. I saw the picture. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Greg Pence. Greg Pence. Or Cindy Worth. Or, I, I, or honestly, no, or, right in. There's, there's some sort of a, I, I have not looked. There's a, uh, there's a writing candidate. I, you have to, if you want to write in a candidate, this is another, this is another teachable moment. You have to find the actual write-in candidate's name and you have to type it into the computer exactly as it appears. So there are writing candidates. And you have to declare. apply to be a write-in. Yeah, and you have to be approved and be on the oh, list. Really? So you can't yeah. just oh, wow. be like, like no Mickey Mouse or you Kanye. You can't show up and say, there are, Moral. There are oh, official wow. declared write-in candidates, but you have to write them in. So you will have, if you want to choose the write-in candidate, you have to, you have to select write-in and then type in Brian Alfred Nichols, the 14th or whatever, you're, whatever you are. I don't know. 14th. I don't know what generations there are. Jesus. 14th. You may have come. They were going back to like colonial England. Yeah. All right. Brian the Fourteenth. All right. So what else? That's we're working our way down the ballot here. Normally Dakota's here, so I'm I'm doing this a lot by memory. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I suck as a co-host. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. All right. So scratch voting. Ah, this is where you're an expert. We have we have the nonpartisan race. Yes. The school board because everything the underrepresented. We have, if you're, you want to be a judge, you have to be a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green, whatever. If you want to be a prosecutor, same thing. Those are all partisan, but that school board, that's, that's a mystery. Yep. So because there's no no primary, you just, you just go on down and write your name down and say, I want to run. So I, I don't know if you vote straight ticket, does it error out? If you don't select a school board candidate, there would be no candidate selected. So you would just undervote the race. That is unfortunate. So you want uh, you want people to have to say they're Democrat or Republican run for school board? That's no, your solution? No. Or is it get rid of that straight ticket thing? Follow suit of the other 43 states and get rid of the straight ticket. All right. So what, what does a school board member do? Why, why would they be nonpartisan? And how, and, and how I know when I look at my ballot, it says I have two candidates that are inside yep. and four that are outside. Yep. 
Does that mean that those four people have to stay outside of the meetings? What what is it? What is an inside and an outside? <laughs> so if I go back to your first question, what does a school board member do? There's a, a big misconception between what they do and what they think they do. Uh, a school board member has the responsibility of hiring and firing a superintendent, making sure that the budget is is in line, and making sure that they're complying with laws. And really, that's the extent of a school board member's responsibility. <laughs> this it, time they had to decide if kids wore masks. I, I mean, it, it's it's that not masks. Other duties it, it, as the sign. It is not deciding which coach needs to be hired or fired. It, it, it doesn't dictate, hey, this kid should go to this elementary school. That That's all the responsibility of the superintendent and his staff. But unfortunately, in a lot of school districts, it's backwards, where the, the superintendent is so fearful of the school board because they can obviously say, yep, you can keep your job or no, you can't, that they tend to turn into yes men. And, and it's really unfortunate because the superintendents should be the leaders of our school systems. So... What's inside and outside? So in Newcastle, you have the inside seats, which represent inside city limits. So you have to reside within city limits. And the outside seats means you still live within the school district, but you live outside, outside the city. city limits. But the twisted thing is everyone in the school district votes for both inside and outside. So how many people serve in each of those? One? Oh, so there are two inside seats two outside seats, and an at-large seat. So this cycle, there are two inside there, there, on the ballot. Two in, on and, the ballot. And do we get to choose two? You get to choose one. You choose one. Yes. Because so, they're offsetting terms. You've already yes. got people in these seats as well, somewhere yeah. else. So when the at-large vote shows up on the ballot, which is off-cycle this time, they actually don't take office until a year following the election. So that way you don't have more than 50% turnover of the board at one election cycle. Okay. So when I, if I'm, we're teaching Brian about his ballot. So he's going to have, he lives inside city limits, but that doesn't matter in this case. That is correct. He, he's going to no. choose one of those two people that are on his inside ballot. Yep. And then there are four names on his outside and he gets you to choose, choose one, one, one of them, which is the same. So it's very similar. When we do our County commissioner, we had, we had Joe and Steve on and they are Northern district. They have to live in that northern third of the county, but everybody votes. It's yep. a, exactly the same way for the school board. Yep. See, we're learning tonight, Brian. Interesting. All right. So as a guy who's tried to run for school board, what should a what should a voter wait, be wait, looking wait, wait, for? Wait. Who's, tried, who, who's tried I, to I ran for school board. Okay. For I just did not succeed. For a guy at the who's election. tried to get elected to the school board. <laughs> what kind of things should a voter be looking for in their school board candidate as we're making this decision? Cause this is the one we've, we've not really vetted it out on the boss hog podcast here. Yep. We've not, we've not looked at it and, and learned much about these candidates. What kinds of things should a voter consider? Um, a lot of it is, is their background, the diversification, what are their principles that they're running for? Uh, unfortunately you don't just see it here in Newcastle. You see it in other communities, but you see this candidate run that, oh, I'm from here. I went to school here. My kids live here. My whole family lives here. So I should be on the school board. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't necessarily make you a great candidate. Yeah, you're loyal to the community, but what what value do you bring to the board? 
So for me, I, I look for what is that differentiation? What makes this candidate different than the makeup of the rest of the school board? So if you look at the school board right now, you have a lot of legacy Newcastle on the board. I ran as an outsider and I didn't bode well being an outsider. Um, it, it's just a tough climate that, that there's a lot of loyalty within Newcastle and, and the name recognition carries a lot of weight here. Uh, but for, for this school board election, the inside seat, you have an educator who lives here but does not work for the school district running against one of those legacy Newcastle family names. The outside seat is where it gets really messy. You have two retired educators from the district. You have an incumbent who's been in the seat for six, six or eight years. And you have a fourth candidate who is an educator who is from here, but doesn't or hasn't lived here their entire life, but is back in the area and, doesn't work for Newcastle schools or hasn't retired from Newcastle schools. So you have three educators against an incumbent and then the inside seat, you have an educator against a legacy name. And it's an open seat. That one's an open seat, right? Now that, that that's the inside. Yes. The inside seat is an open seat. Yes. Um, so that the former occupant of that seat uh, resigned his role earlier this year and he's now the athletic director at the high school. Very interesting to watch. All right. So we, we talked about, do any of these folks excite somebody to vote? Zach, what, what motivates you to vote? You've got, do you have a perfect voting record? Are there, are there years where you say the hell with it? I'm just going to, you're a government employee. You just get to take the day off and yeah, take a nap. I've, yeah. I voted every time. Not a lot of the races excite me. Some of them are depressing, honestly. <laughs> Some of them coming out of the primary, I was like not super excited. And well, you want to talk about depression. You're losing an hour of daylight this weekend, too. So good luck, buddy. Boo. Uh, well, Boo. And I, you to, now you have to run earlier in the morning, too. And it's going to be darker. I, I run he the, runs at I, noon. I, I, no, I run at the darkness anyway. I run in the mornings. Um, so it'll just be. Dark. Yeah, it is. It's, it's this time of year. It's awful. Yeah. Um, so some of them, man, it's, it's an awful situation. And I know a lot of people have. This is the way people felt for a couple elections. It's like, I'm not voting for this person. I'm voting against this other. I'm voting against another. Like, I'm, there's, I'm lesser of two evils kind of thing. Or not even lesser of two evils. Like, nobody excites me, but some of the people are scared. So without Forrest and I being on the ballot, you have no excitement in your life. Is this what you're telling me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. That's I mean, the way I hear it. Revisionist I mean, history. Because there were some of the primary races that I was like, this is a bummer that these people are running against each other because I wanted like both of them. And then one of them comes out of primary. So that's good. Some of them, I, I don't mind. There's some people I think will do fine. And because of the makeup of this County and the straight ticket stuff, I'm like, well, they'll be fine. They'll get elected. Um, some of the other ones you just drive around and you're like, some of the people voting, I don't know what their platform is because despite Working in the show, they didn't come on the show. They didn't take an invitation and I can't, find anybody to tell me what they actually think they're going to do. So those aren't fun races to like be trying to figure out what people are, what their platforms are, but you can't really figure it out because they don't want to tell you what their platform is. Shannon Tom is watching and he's in the chat. He's running for County council district three. And he says, come on, doesn't get any more exciting than that County council district three race. What's your defense to that, Zach? 
you don't live in county council district. No, I don't. And neither do I. Neither do I. (laughs) Sorry, Shannon. I can't vote for you. I'd have to go all Diego Morales and get myself thrown in jail. (laughs) Just go go around, just flash a couple different IDs with a couple different addresses on it. Um, I don't live in Westwood like the mayor does, so I can't vote in district three. (laughs) I've got friends I get direct to vote in certain, like tell them like what I think of the people that I did get to meet or didn't get to meet. And, um, but yes, yeah, so some of the ra- some of the races are like kind of scary, and some of them are like both people. I think will be fine. Um, when it comes to the state house thing, I do agree. I have the opinion, kind of sitting back and watching all of the various parties. That if any one of any one party is in absolute power, everything's just going to go downhill because. I think all of them have the flaw of this is the way they think everything should work, but people are awful at some level. If you give people too much of anything, they just kind of ruin it. And so we do need a balance of power because then they, they have to check themselves. So if you get, if you have a debate, you have a conscience, you have a debate and then you have a conscience and you also have a compromise at some point. And so you put some checks and balances in to whatever you're designing so that it's not going too far one, one way or the other, because and so it'd be nice to see that with some of the the things, some of the races and some of the, but I, for the most part, I'm still trying to absorb as much information as I can um, on some of them because some of them I don't know. And it's hard to pin down school board. Like what's their philosophy? Um, are they going to be an educate or on the school side or like sports ball is a real big deal in Newcastle in terms it is. of it's huge. And like, um, I lost an election against one of those sports ballers. <laughs> He's not there now because he. You could have been the athletic director if you had really. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that was so. <laughs> Listen, if I had one, I might be county council president by now. It's yeah. the way it works. Yeah. So, so yeah, none of them are particularly exciting. There's some people I'm kind of. I'm glad that some people are running and I hope that they get elected because I think they'll do a good job. Exciting. I'm not sure if I get super excited about people in certain positions, but um, there's some people I just, I hope they don't. And sometimes I just like, well, we'll survive till the next election and maybe things will get better. <laughs> so, so Zach, you brought up a great point about not knowing the platform that the candidates running on. And I'm sure Jeremiah can attest to this as a former candidate that, as soon as you put your name on the ballot, you start getting phone calls or emails from whatever media outlet saying, Hey, what's your contact information? I want to send you a questionnaire. And everyone I got, I thought, great, here's another outlet for me to express my opinion and demonstrate the platform that I want to campaign on. So we obviously have a local newspaper that they reach out to. You have the information from the League of Women Voters, the Vote 411. So now, as this podcast, um, this podcast, many times we've had a chamber of commerce forum that I don't think actually happened. Yeah, and, and I really enjoyed that. But you go to look up the information and you see candidate didn't respond, candidate didn't respond, candidate didn't respond. But man, if they can't take fifteen minutes to fill out this questionnaire, what are they going to do for me for the next four years while they're in office? And, and that's really troublesome. That's where we have this conversation about having to apply for the job and the f- part that's so frustrating as a voter and as a, I don't know how, what, how the hell a, a, a member of the media or a curator of this, you know, trying to foster these conversations for the community when you can't get a candidate to participate, it's wildly frustrating. 
And then it's even more frustrating when you know damn well that the numbers are in that candidate's favor that if they just do the submarine strategy, like Greg Pence invented, they're probably going to scream right on through. Yep. And it's going to be just fine. Because if they, they don't can, say anything, and they, can they hide have no the flaws. Yeah, they can hide from the voters. What inspires you to vote, Brian? Just pure duty. Are you going to vote Tuesday? You're oh, gonna, I'm absolutely going to vote. You're going to yeah. go. Yeah, for sure. Um, Make no. sure you have your government-issued ID with an expedition. I, I, I got it. Yeah, my new Indiana license. Don't worry. I'm good to go. Um, I'm just warning you about the perils and pitfalls it, of, of running. Or, it can't be any here. worse than voting in Philly, right? I don't know. hope not. I, you, you will probably, be much safer waiting in line to vote in Newcastle. <laughs> guarantee that. Guarantee. Um, no, in, in Philadelphia, I figured they'd just get bussed in from Delaware. I didn't know. Likely, yeah. The the New lines, Jersey. the lines would tell you that. Um, but no, what motivates me? Like, so at the end of the day, I see a country, I see communities that just need a very, very different way of doing things. And I personally think that the, and it doesn't have to be the Libertarian Party, but the Liberty Movement has the answers to a lot of the problems that we see right now. And I, I want to see a a community. A you know, starting here in Newcastle, um, that we embrace more of those solutions. Um, so being able to go out and help bring candidates who can bring those those solutions to the table, or heck, again, going even beyond that, if we can get folks to bring solutions to the table outside of the the political you know infrastructure, let's do that because then we don't have to have the the fighting of who controls the power, like Zach talked about. Instead, the power just becomes obsolete because we're solving the problem ourselves. And I mean, how? more much more like empowering for us to to know that we can sometimes do that stuff ourselves so being able to give us the ability to do that easier i think is is the number one thing that pushes me so much optimism hey gotta bring it any any motivators to you to show up and vote well one i i think it, it is a civic responsibility so i'm gonna just go ahead and put that generic answer out there but two uh because we have liberty, there are people in the liberty movement that think you know voting is violence. Vehemently disagree, and they just and they won't do it at all. You know, everybody <laughs> wants to write about about whatever is happening in the world, the community, the state, national level. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody wants to gripe, but nobody wants to do anything about it. So voting is the simplest form of doing something about it. Go out and research your candidates and know what the hell you're voting on. And vote. If you don't, shut up. That's my motivator. All right. So here's here's my hypothetical question, I guess. I, I, I put a section in the show notes. By the way, if you're a patron, you get access to an incredible super secret Facebook group where you get the show notes drop, dropped in there every time. So you get to follow along at home and play play the Boss Hogger Liberty at home game. Uh, and follow the uh, follow the show notes, print your copy, and, and be ready. Be it's ready like for press the show. your luck in the good old days. Which the boss hog of liberty. It's great. By the way, thank you to uh, who are we thanking, Zach? Wyland's Flowers, the Slick Pickle, and Big Bounce Inflatables. All right. I wanted to ask, and I know we're all dancing around specific, you know, we're being careful and being kind, and, and we always try to hit it right down the middle of the road when it comes to the local candidate stuff. We play with people and our friends, but we we try to be very fair. We know that this is a very red and Republican community, so there's a there's an implied advantage. Every single county official is Republican, as we've said. So we have seen some Democrats serve in county government before. So in the council and commissioners races, I'm going to ask it this way. 
which race do you think has the best chance of possibly not going to a Republican? If we have Melanie Wright, Angela Mahaffey, and Steve Holmes, those three races, is there an opportunity for any of them, do we think, or a likelihood that the Democrat candidate may end up winning in that race? I think the strongest likelihood there goes to Melanie Wright. Um, she's ran a very strong campaign. She's been active, even though she didn't get in until this year, she's been active politically for a few years now. And although the county tends to be more Republican, we see a lot more Democratic voting within the city. And so her her district, that bows in her favor. Is essentially half of the city. Yeah. Brian, you're, you've, you've heard the people talk, but you probably aren't as familiar with the demographics. I, I was going to say, you say their names, and I'm like, I think I've heard their voices. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to be completely candid with you. I yep. can't remember enough about them, yep. but I will say um, I, I think the number one race that I did hear that like motivated me to, to get to vote um, probably was going to be the state Senate one, I think it was. Yep. Um, so, yeah, of all the ones, that would be the one. All right. And then... Zach, do you think there's a shot at any of these three flipping? Um, I agree with Forrest, Melanie Wright. I think if anybody listens, she was, she's very prepared. She came, she comes prepared to everything she, she shows up to. The first time I saw her at a county council meeting, she was prepared. She knew what she was talking about. She's ready to go. Um, there is the demographics of she's representing, um, her, her, constituents are a lot of the people that are in town. I think that the democratic stronghold in town is fading um, as the UAW's influence in this town yep. fades into, into the twilight. Um, but it's still there. Um, and I would hope that's kind of where the straight ticket thing gets very frustrating where people, if they know who they're voting for and they're not voting for letters after names, um, she's a very strong candidate. She knew what she was talking about. Um, and like I said, based on who she's representing, I think she probably has the best chance. Yeah, I think I, I think that and Brian doesn't have the advantage of, of knowing history, but you're going to. You're you're learning and I'm you're still laying, learning. You're laying at an incredible been, pace. Been here ten months. Give, but give me some credit. <laughs> Chad Malicote put so much effort in four years ago to win that race, uh, and he defeated an incumbent Democrat who had been on the council for a, a decade or more in Robin Reno Fleming Fleming. And Chad worked tirelessly yep. every weekend to pick that seat up. Mike Regner is is running, and he's been you know he he came to our our show, and he he was I I would say you know he's running as that generic baseline Republican, and that's that's what you've seen. You see a handful of signs around town, but you really haven't seen a lot of door to door effort in that race. You haven't seen a get out the vote, um, and it's just a you know it's a baseline, and it, it's going to be a very interesting number to see. What is a baseline name on the ballot? You know, it essentially a, um, we used to have a term for this in the libertarian party and it's escaping me, Brian, but basically just a paper, paper candidate, Mm. um, you know, really just very basic. What's that baseline going to be? And is it enough to carry and actually get elected? Um, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to shake out. Uh, we have, I have had many less people come to my door and I'm in a pretty easy walkable neighborhood. I've had way less candidates come to my door. I've had zero. I have not had a single flyer on my door, which is is unusual. It's unheard of. In the spring, I got a lot of flyers on my door. Yeah. But I have had zero this fall. To candidates out there that just speaks, show up. 
Like that's all it takes is like, if you want, and, and I think this is the part that drives me crazy the most is that we can, you know, have so many shows where we'll complain about the issues we see in Newcastle in Indiana, in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, you name the area. And yet so many folks stay home. So many folks just, even the candidates just don't put in the effort. And that's all it takes sometimes. Like how many uncontested elections are there here? I mean, goodness, if, if we could just get one person to run, Hey, me as a big L libertarian, right? Find some of the candidates, say, run as a big L libertarian. I'll help coach you. Like, be that different voice. That And that just requires you to stand up and take a, take a charge. Like, if we don't, who else will? And if nobody else will, then what do we have the right to sit and complain? The other the other piece I'll have as a takeaway as we're wrapping up the uh, the, the election side of this conversation, uh, before we do get to talk about the really exciting part that I know Zach's going to nerd out <laughs> over tonight, uh, I think Jeff Moore is going to have a really, really big week. Uh, and if he does reach a 10% or double-digit goal, which Don Rainwater did two years ago when he ran for governor, if he can achieve that number, you're going to see a lot more candidate options in the future. Because that third party, the Libertarian Party, would then go to the next level mm-hmm. as a party and end up on a – their candidates would be running in the primary. So you would have voter data for the Libertarian Party across the state of Indiana of anybody that went on and in, in voted in the primary and said, hey, I'm a Libertarian. And all of those names, all of that voter information becomes available for the party to, to essentially data mine. And to f- find a new pool of, pool of donors, a new pool of people that are interested in participating – and I think that is the next key opportunity for for that party's growth. Here, here, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know if Diego Morales is going to win. He's in my memory. He's probably the weakest Republican statewide candidate I've ever seen. That's counting Richard Murdoch. That's counting. Um, that's counting some real wimp, whimpered out folks there at the end. If he wins, that will be a prime example of straight ticket voting. Or at least the team, I vote for my team, even if they don't straight take it necessarily. But yeah, if nothing else, people, please go look around and see how hard your candidate that you would think you might want to vote for worked to get your vote. And if they didn't work to get your vote, they're not going to work to get your opinion and to represent you. So like check because there's candidates on both sides and any or all three sides potentially. I don't, but like there's candidates. Body where you look, they just mailed it in because they're counting on people to just say, I just vote for my team. And so those people aren't going to represent you. So like go out and find their platforms and find how much work they put into campaigning because that's how much work they're going to put into representing you. But you know, regardless of, of how much work they put in, you know, there's going to be winners in the election. There's going to be losers. If you look at the ballot, there's going to be more people lose the election than, than people that win. And at the end of the day, they're people, they're humans, just like you and I. And it's tough to step up and say, yep, I'm willing to go serve my community. I'm willing to go serve my state. I'm willing to go serve my country. Put my name on the ballot and let me face all the public ridicule you're willing to give me. How long did it take you to recover emotionally? After after the last your last your most recent race, not your last race, your most recent race, Forrest. I don't know. Some people say I'm a pretty jaded individual, so <laughs> not very long. But it, it does. It, it it takes a toll on the individual. It takes a toll on on the individual's family, on their friends, because it's stressful. It's grueling. It, it it's exhausting, and it, it's 
really thankless. You know, we sat back here behind some microphones and a camera and talk about what's good or what's bad about the candidates. But, you know, I'll walk out the door and I'll still talk to them like, oh, yeah, they're good friends. This is, the, you know, if you're if you're willing to have a conversation around this table and you've come, you've put yourself forward and come on the show, we're always going to be friendly with you. We're always going to have a relationship with you and we're always going to be appreciative that people are willing to to put themselves forward. Absolutely. And, and hopefully that there are our audience in the, in the community understands that we appreciate talking to everybody. We've had the absolute farthest left and the absolute farthest right and all left here as friends. Yep. So, for those of you listening, when you're out Tuesday, if you see a candidate out or even after the election, even if it isn't the candidate that you voted for, thank them for running because they, it, it does take a lot. Yep. And slip them 20 bucks too because, damn it, it costs money. <laughs> <laughs> it costs. Those signs aren't cheap and, and they don't vote. No, they don't. No. And a lot of times I've, I've been pretty well convinced that my signs have been in yards of people that didn't vote for me. Uh, cause I looked at the voter returns and just, there's, there weren't that many numbers. Yep. Um, your, your sign was in my yard and I didn't vote for you. You're awesome. <laughs> well, now we're getting to the heart of the matter because I'm not Diego Morales. He <laughs> didn't live in the district. All right, Zach, big motorsports weekend just happened. 5 million people watch motorsports in North America. We're a political show, but we're a we show. We're what we're interested in show, and we like racing. There's no secret about that. Uh, if you're watching the live stream, you see a lot of racing memorabilia up in the background. You uh, you've heard from folks that are at racer.com. We've had our friend Kyle Robbins in here. So big motorsports weekend. What happened? The, every twelve year old kid was vil, was vindicated by a move that Ross Chastain made at the end of the Cup race. Where they're at Martinsville, which people know is like a paperclip track. So it's a kind of short track, pretty flat. And he just decided that he was going to try a move that he had thought about for a long time. He just put the car into the wall intentionally and just rode the wall wide open all the way around and passed like six cars. Brian, did you see this? I did. This even I did. Made it's, comical. it's comical, is it? Yeah. It makes everybody, every little kid in your in your soul go, yeah. It's like you're playing yeah. a video game. <laughs> so, so you said every 12-year-old kid. No, this is everyone who ever played a video game oh, yeah. as a 12-year-old. Oh, yeah. Or now. I still, <laughs> I still, I still, I still <laughs> Or a 32-year-old. I still largely drive that way when so I play the video The inner 12-year-old. But he apparently... So he, he, and he, and in doing so at the very last minute, he passes and, uh, gets himself into the championship four. I believe did he, did he bump, uh, Denny Hamlin, Denny, Denny Hamlin. Hamlin and passed Denny and beat Denny Hamlin to the finish line by feet. And, but it would have been more had there not been a car in front of him for him yeah, to that hit, he ran into, he ran into because he, apparently, and the car he ran into was disqualified as well. Oh, really? so, yeah. That car got, that car didn't even, theoretically wasn't even there. So theoretically, <laughs> to, and if people need to look this up, because it looks fake when you watch it, because he's especially going, the one video that the guy took from the crowd, where you see him just zooming by on, on the outside it wall, it looks like he's being fast forwarded. So he's going so much faster. And then I heard that his wheel speed sensor failed partway through this maneuver, but he was going. 50 to 60 miles an hour faster. He was doing 135 in the outside wall. And the rest of the guys were going 61. They're going 60 around the bottom. So, so if you were pick, if you're, if you're on the interstate and you're doing, you're stopped on the shoulder, this is somebody ripping by you at 60 miles an hour. Yeah. That's the difference in speed. So these guys are running peak speed at the bottom of the racetrack and they get their doors blown off by a car around the outside. 
absolutely crazy. Double they, so the speed, double there, the speed, grinding were, on the wall. <laughs> there were so many things that were just perfect storm for him to be able to do this. Of it's the only track that they don't use high gear in the car. It's still there. Yeah, he put so it. So he grabbed he used fifth top gear, gear and floored it and got another thirty miles an hour going into the turn. And then the car is built in a way. It's a brand new car this year where the body doesn't really. It protects the car like a slot car. So it's up against this metal wall, and the tires are not touch, are not impacting the wall. So it's not working as a brake. Mm-hmm. It's not rubber on metal slowing it down. It's literally just locked the car in, and it's zipping around that wall at 70 miles an hour faster than everybody else. It's like when you have a, a, a hockey puck, and it goes around the exactly. ice rink. Yeah. That's yeah. what it felt like. It, yeah. Exactly the yeah. same thing. <laughs> the same it, it had to be the perfect wall angle, too, Yeah, that he could actually just pancake the wall and ride there. And held it. And then nobody else was and up not, on the I'm not crashing anybody. Yeah. Nobody, nobody else was high enough for he him ex- to. He exited the turn at exactly, <laughs> which is pure random luck, because he's on full send, and he exits the turn and finds a gap where there's not another guy exiting and catching the high end right there. Uh, and he just forces his way through, and he's got the same. Essentially, when he got to the straightaway, he was doing about the same speed as everybody else, but he just yeah. came ripping around but so still going fast. fast he got rear, there faster. To rear in the car in front of him. He caught up in it. was like people need to look it up because they're doing 20 second lap times and he did it in 18. It was the fastest a stock car had ever run around that racetrack since nine, since it was built in 1953. That was the track record. And he denied physics by grinding the entire <laughs> way around it. Yeah. It's insanity. So that was, uh, they, he's a watermelon farmer. So they're calling it the hail melon. It was funny the opinion that seemed to be every, what everybody thought of was what? that everybody the hail thought, melon. The hail every, melon. Everybody oh thought God. it was the greatest thing ever, but then they all agreed that they never want to see it again. Like that they don't think. They was it Kyle Larson who was so outspoken about it that oh, there's no place for this in our sport? Said it's oh, embarrassing. I mean, let's. Be, it is embarrassing that the fastest car on the track by a long shot is was crashing. Dr- was crashing <laughs> intentionally and was driving like. Anybody else would have driven. If you put one of us in the car, that's what we would have done. Yep. Yeah. Intentionally, we would have, <laughs> yeah. we would have overcooked it into the turn and just rode the wall the entire way around. A professional race car driver did it. And had there not been another car in front of him, if he, he would have been in like fourth, he would have gotten a top five finish out of that. Had that <laughs> invisible disqualified car in front of him not been there. Like it was, he went, he, he ultimately went from 10th to fifth. In yeah. a half, in a on a half mile track, in a half of a lap, he passed five cars. Going into turn four, he only yeah. needed two. Yeah, he only needed he he only needed to pick up two positions, and they literally radioed to him coming off turn four, like "Gotta have two. You gotta pass two cars." And he's like, "I hang on." <laughs> oh my! It's dear. the Leroy Baggins back in the old World uh, of Warcraft. Was, yeah, Le, uh, Leroy Jenkins. Yes. Leroy, yeah, yeah, yes. Leroy Jenkins, yeah. Sarah said Did I say he, Leroy Baggins. Oh, yeah, oh my I don't know. God, my brain just uh, yeah. It's he, late for Brian. You know. Sarah, I know uh, you've been looking at your watch four times over there. I'm well aware. You of know, what, how I mean. I'm well aware of Brian. Four twenty, Brian is is yeah, very sleepy. Man, listen, we don't talk about. We have not yet legalized weed in Indiana. Not that four twenty. Four twenty a.m. Jared. I know you're an East Coaster, but come no, on. no, no. I, 4 20 a.m. Have you listened to our interviews with the prosecutors and the sheriff's candidates around here? You got to keep this. Are you shit telling me I should vote for Landon Dean? <laughs> so I'm here. No. Uh, I think we heard that opinion from them on the show. It was. Yeah. You, yeah. I, that was an opinion that we, we heard. In the we, show. we did hear that. Uh, so if that's your number one issue, yes, there are, there are that, that we've, we fleshed that one out. Um, 
yeah. Anyway, it, it, motorsports. Look fun. it up. Even if you're not a race fan, watch it. It's the most absurd thing you'll ever see in your life. And nobody saw it coming because nobody was talking about it. And then all of a sudden, they're just, they see it and they're shocked. Sarah said he is actually Florida man. He just doesn't care. Yeah. He's <laughs> full Florida man. He's full yeah. Florida. He's actually Florida man. So I'm pretty certain if Elon Musk hadn't just taken over Twitter that that video would be the highlight of Twitter. <laughs> oh, it, had, it has to be. It was just, it I guess was it had insane. like 80 million views or something stupid like that. Oh, yeah. It's it, uh, it had at least 50 million as of a podcast I listened to this morning. Speed Street, Joey Molinaro's show. They were talking about it, and they added it up, all the impressions, just on social media, and it was at 50 million so as it's, of wow. yesterday. And I haven't got a chance, but there's another podcast I listened to that's just generally car-related, mostly sports car stuff, and I saw that they're going to be mentioning that on the, the episode they just downloaded. So it's, it transcends the sports. most viral moment that NASCAR will have all year. Yeah. Ride the curtail of that as long as you can. The coattail. The Hail Melon is going to be, in, it's going to exist for 50 years. Those like shirts it, will be everywhere. Oh, yeah. All right, Zach, we're at, we're at the time where we do final thoughts. What uh, what do we need to know? What's what's exciting? What's your uh, what's your story? I've got almost nothing. I can't even think of anything. You've missed us a lot. Yeah, I was you, in quarantine. You, made, you have any I apologies finally, to make? Finally caught the Rona. Um, it wasn't bad for me. How was the bad. testing? You've been bragging about I had, never, yeah, having I've never not been tested, tested ever, and I had to. Te- I tested twice. How did that tested. brain tickle feel? It's not. Too, it's uncomfortable. I you know, the worst was I had to to test my kids, and they've been tested multiple times, but they still don't like it. So it's always funny having to hold a kid's head, like you know, like you're about to finish him in Mortal Kombat just to get a swab <laughs> up his nose. And I get it. It's uncomfortable because at that point I'd done it once, but. Um, Luckily for for me, it was mild. The kids miraculously didn't get it, so we did some good quarantining in our house. Um, now, April had it first, yeah, and then she was in isolation, and then you got it a couple days later. So at that point, were you able to mix populations, or did you have to like separate she and hide came, from each other? So she, uh, she she got a couple days of real isolation because I took the kids camping and I was already gone camping when she tested positive. So that was when we first tested was when we got to where we were camping, which thankfully was Gold Summit Lake State Park. It was 15 minutes out of town. But, um, and so I just kept the kids for the weekend. So she got a couple of days and then she was feeling a bit better, but I kind of managed them for the first day or two. And then when she was officially like the CDC requirement now is, Isolate for five days, and then after that, wear a mask for five days. Brian, he's a big government guy, so he listens. To well, I looked at she looked up, I looked it up, and I guess uh, anything. So at the five, at the like around that mark, then we're I more kinda, abusive to our friends than anybody else. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. So I, at that point, we kind of switched places a little bit, so she could come out a bit more, and then I went upstairs and watched more TV than I watched all year, probably um, for like two days. But I didn't miss any work. I didn't miss a run. I was just tired. You've run every day this year, at least yeah. a mile. At least, yeah. I have a couple times it was a mile. Mostly it was two. I hit. That was the frustrating thing was I uh, I turned 40 on Monday. And like Friday, I woke up and I had a toe swelled up that made no sense at all. No idea where it came from. And then I stood up. Getting old chair. sucks. Yeah. I yeah. Stood, no, I what stood is that up, about? I stood up from a chair on Sunday and like pulled something on the left side of my upper leg that I could not run on Monday morning. And I was like, this is a problem. One, it's my birthday. Two, the goal, kind of the goal that I decided to do a run streak was it was the most efficient way to get to a thousand miles uh, for the year. Cause I, 
I think I was a couple of years ago. I, I ran myself sick getting to a thousand miles because I figured I was close. So I ended up bumping up my mileage by a bunch. Last year I missed it because I sprained my ankle and was out for six weeks. And so I just happened to look Sunday night at my, my count and I'm at 998 miles for the year. I'm due for two miles on Monday. It's an off day. So I'm like, Oh, cool. I'll hit a thousand miles on my birthday. I think it was 304 days into the streak. And I get that morning. I try to run. I get 11 seconds in. I can't run. I know that because my, stop my watch but luckily with about half a bottle of ibuprofen i was able to persevere that afternoon and get it in um but yeah other than that it's just been i've just been plugging away but yeah, i didn't miss a day of running yet so are you gonna end your streak on new year's eve or are you gonna keep it going um go for the thousand i doubt i in, i got the thousand so i'm at a thousand no, no, a thousand days a thousand days oh man no <laughs> probably not probably not like jeff watterson uh was kind of the one he said well the, I'll tell you who, who might be at a thousand is the hardest appliance repair guy to hire in town because he's that busy is Daniel Chu. Last I knew, Daniel Chu was on year three. And he's four. booked out into December. I was going to say, Daniel Chu is, for, it's harder to find Daniel Chu than it is to get childcare in Henry for County. Appliance, yeah, he's a very, <laughs> and I heard it's a childcare desert. I heard he's booked into December. He's an appliance repair guy and a great guy. But I last I was aware, he was. He is coming. He might be in year three of his streak, um, and so he's a little farther than me. But no, I'm probably I'm probably not going to intentionally take a day off. I usually actually run at New Year's at midnight. Uh, some friends used to have a party. And we would go out and run out in the county. Most normal people get shit faced at New Year's. And my and friends, which, my friends, which would causes still, some people to run. My friends and, and would still enjoy a beverage and, or two. And but, Zach, dead sober in the middle of the night, says, "I'm going to go run for a mile with a group of friends." No, we ran 5K. <laughs> We run a 5K oh, in the three miles in the county. But was it a beer mile 5K? Uh, for them, they'd already been drinking. But for me, no. I was just in the couple years. It was. We talk about Christmas wasn't that bad for being cold, but there was a couple years where it was like five when we would run or be close to zero. And you were out there with shorts on, I'm sure. Every day. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you're nuts. Yeah, shorts every day. It's just pre-icing during the winter time. You're just pre-icing your joints, but. So yeah, keep doing that. But I'll probably at some point I'll be like, you know, I just don't feel like running tomorrow. I just won't run. Forrest Gump. But that'll be twenty twenty three. Quit running. Yep, just quit run. All right, I'm Brian. Tired. Thanks for having us on your show. Yeah, that's right. Kind of. I forgot that that was a thing to do. Yeah. What? Uh, you have anything to plug? Any any merch to sell? I do. Michael Scott, twenty twenty four. I've decided that's who I'm putting my. Uh, my vote is going to be your write-in for Congress. Yeah, and if you want to get this shirt, briannicholshow.com forward slash shop. Use code TBNS at checkout. You'll get, a, I think it's 20% off, something like that. Um, other than that, though, final thought would be politics is downstream from culture. Uh, so it's important, I think, based on all the episodes I've listened to, that we... I say we now. I'm collectively part of the community now, right? I'm, I'm officially are, yeah. a Hoosier. You are a Hoosier. Woo! Um, so it, I think it's important for us to focus on changing the way we approach the problems and trying to change the culture first, and then we will see the politics thereafter change as well. So that's my mission. Do you have a big uh, opinion on wind farms and solar farms yet? Because um, if you're in Henry County, you have to <laughs> you have to pick a side. I don't know if, if that here's was, here's my answer. Is did that, Melanie say that that was just off topic? I believe she. Yeah, she did tell me that that's been asked and answered essentially. The only which I thought was hilarious because I'm pretty sure that the Henry County Council has a seat on the board. The only real like viable solution to energy independence in the future 
is one that includes nuclear energy. So I would say. So you are pro basement nukes. A hundred percent recreational <laughs> nukes for everybody. Let's go. Hey, y'all watch this. Yeah. Why not? It'd be fun. Can you imagine what Florida man would do? With the <laughs> <basement nuke? laughs> Instead of shooting the, the bullets in the air on new year, so he'll be shooting some mini nukes. All great. right. So Brian's energy policy is personal nuclear power plants. Hey, you know what? Give it, give it five years. Elon Musk will have something for us. The most trustworthy man in America. <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Sure, <laughs> your words, not mine. I don't know. I'm just summarizing your 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 summary, Mr. Forrest. Thanks for being with us, man. Yeah. Hey, this is fun. But I will say, we're a couple hours into this, and there's a TV over there with football on. It's hard, and it's right? Game Five of the World Series tonight, and a Philly guy here hasn't said a single word about the Phillies. I and, could care less about baseball, and I. I am a Yankees fan, but I'm repping the Phillies hat tonight because they're playing the Trashstros. So go Phils. So you're a little upset over over some pitches, uh, some issues a couple um, years ago, and, and some stealing. I thought in baseball there were no were, trash cans. I thought in I thought in baseball you were supposed to try to gain an advantage. Zach and I are from there are, are from ways the motorsports to gain world a competitive where, advantage. Where the, the if you aren't uh, cheating, you aren't racing. Yeah, yeah. And if you're using a trash, if you're getting beat by a team that's using trash cans, then you deserve to lose. The unfair advantage you is are the Penske way. Man, yeah. You could that, be you could be completely derailed by the Blue Man Crew just setting up somewhere and just going to town. Like that's <laughs> the that's the level of technology. They're yeah, using. the Colts the Colts band with their trash deal would would have ruined the World Series. Like I could just just get my kid a to go box and a stick, and he could just completely derail your cheating scheme by just turning him loose in a stadium. I, I grew up with Bagwell and Biggio and the, the Killer Bees, and you know when I was a kid, Jim Deshays from Messina, New York, was ah, uh, was an Astros pitcher. So I've that's right. I've always and plus their uniforms in the eighties and nineties were absolutely killer. Ron Paul, excellent. That's, he's, Ron, he, Ron yeah, Paul in the congressional Astros baseball shirt. game was wearing the Astros stuff. So I've always been. Uh, I've been empathetic to the Astros, but I also haven't been a baseball fan since I was about 12. So every time, I, every time I'm like, when the hell did the Astros go to the American league? I'm thrown every time. So I, it's not exactly like I'm coming from a place of current knowledge. I'd still never admit that I'm an Astros fan. When are you Yankee bastards coming to Houston? That was the greatest bit in the history of Seinfeld. <laughs> right? Yeah. Plus they invented artificial turf. The Astrodome was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So, so you're pulling for the Phillies. I am. Did you see the the movement on the seismograph? Yeah, I was in. I was at. I was at Baton Rouge. We did the same damn thing at a Garth Brooks concert this year when they played. <laughs> when they played. When they played. Colin Baton Rouge. But in Baton did you Rouge. do it twice? Uh, yeah, I think it happened a number of times. <laughs> I love how he just like completely like. It completely destroyed the Phillies fans. Like, yes, yeah, so yeah. I, I literally did, I did country concert. I did the same thing myself five months ago. Sh- <laughs> suck it. Tell Santa Claus he sucks a little more not, and throw a battery. Not only jackasses. unimpressive, I was there for the, for the eclipsing event, yeah. and it was this year. It wasn't I, even like- I literally just did it. Volume of people in attendance at that concert, though, compared to the baseball game. It's after it's after nine o'clock. That was like a one up bitch slap. <laughs> Yeah. So I digress. All right. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad the people of Philadelphia have a reason to burn their city down this time, and it's not just a Thursday night. So if the Eagles win tonight and they go eight and zero, and 
the Phillies can wrap it up this weekend, there may not be a city of Philadelphia left. Which is why I left. So, <laughs> oh, there's more reasons why I left, namely the uh, COVID policy for the past three years, but that's a different story. Philadelphia Eagles fans, you are very welcome. The Indianapolis Colts coaching staff of Frank Reich has been completely decimated. Both of his offensive coordinators are now head coaches in other towns. Uh, your head coach is, uh, is, is probably the reason why the Colts suck so badly. And, uh, and your guy is irreplaceable. So uh, with that, thanks to all the candidates that joined us. Thanks once again mm-hmm. to uh, Wyland's Flowers, Slick Pickle, and Big Bounce Inflatables. Uh, go out Tuesday. Vote if you don't think it's an act of aggression. Vote! And uh, we'll, we'll recap it next week and see how it all shook out. <laughs> we'll catch you then.